having a headphone-like experience without having to touch anything, without having to wear anything is huge. There's really no reason for somebody to have to wear something or hold something or, or do something when they can just stand there and the sound is delivered to them privately with the same kind of private listening experience that they would have with headphones. We're seeing lots more public ordering kiosks, for example, where you are engaging with a screen at a restaurant or even a retail store or anywhere else where you're, you're interacting with a screen and you're ordering from a screen. Visuals aren't always enough and the audio will get better engagement, but you can't have the speakers blaring and making noise that's going to bother everybody around them. So the audio spotlight is a nice solution to maintain private listening without having to physically wear anything or do anything. You're just there and the sound is just for you, just like a spotlight of light. Welcome to the Sound in Marketing Podcast. With only $2,000 of seed capital, Holosonics was founded by Joe Pompey to commercialize directional sound technology. Joe and his team grew Holosonics quickly to profitability. Holosonics is now the world leader in providing highly directional sound products with thousands of installations worldwide. Joining back in on Joe and I's conversation, he starts in with a great story about Minority Report. There's a funny story about that. Uh, the Minority Report scene uh, was actually you know, partially written by the technical consultant of that movie named uh, John Underkoffler. Yeah, he happened to be a classmate of mine at the Media Lab, and he knew all about the audio spotlight. You know, he was a good buddy. And uh, pretty sure that was written in specifically uh, about the audio spotlight as they're going through the mall. And, uh, the, you know, the different uh, parts are, you know, saying, Mr. So-and-so, you know, you could use some new glasses or some new clothes or what have you. Uh, I think that was directly inspired by the audio spotlight technology. Those are the kinds of things we were already doing. Uh, now, certainly, we don't want to make it creepy for people. Um, we don't want to surprise them too much. But I think appropriately used, um, I think it could be very, very effective. You know, and the billboards and the whispering and the minority port stuff is fun and it's interesting and it's unusual. But the day-to-day -day applications, I think, are way more uh, effective and have a lot bigger impact, like the All Good Bananas campaign that Ogilvy did with the audio spotlight speakers. They put uh, speakers over a banana display and in the supermarkets. And they had a little place where if you stood in the right place, you heard messaging about where the bananas came from, how they were uh, sourced, you know, from, you know, fair producers and, um, you know, done, you know, ethically and, and the rest. And you only hear it if you're standing in front of that banana display because the whole store doesn't need to hear about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really only the people who are engaging with the product need to hear it. And they saw the sales of those bananas go up 140% over the campaign, which was great. It was a, you know, big success for that. Um, we've also done bookstores where the author would be reading from their book in front of their book display. So if you stand up and walk up to the place, where, you know, the display of their books, all of a sudden you hear the, the author doing a reading. Um, you know, we did that. 7-Eleven uh, used our systems all over uh, the south, southern part of the U.S. for providing uh, news and advertising from their digital signage displays to the people buying coffee. What happened originally, you know, was they had these digital signage displays and they wanted to sell advertising on them. You, know, you can't sell advertising quite as effectively if it doesn't have sound. So they added sound and they used regular speakers from the TVs that were in the store, but it just bothered everybody. Everybody hated listening to it because the stuff would loop constantly and they would, you know, they would hear the same things again and again, especially the clerks who had to work there. And one of the 
you know, people who had been in this business for a while arranging this, they told me that when you put speakers in a store and they're playing repetitive information, the clerks will do three things. The first thing they'll do is they'll figure out how to turn it down and they'll turn the volume down on their own. If they can't figure out how to turn the volume down, they'll figure out how to turn it off. And if they can't figure out how to turn it off, they'll break it. They <laughs> <laughs> said this was just rampant in the industry. So we came along with the audio spotlight speakers and replaced the regular speakers in the TV. So the only person who would hear the digital signage content was the one standing right in front of it and engaging. Usually it's the person buying coffee and they're mixing up coffee and they're putting their cream in and things like that. So they're there for a little while and they can hear it and they're not bothered at all by it. Now the advertisers are not irritating their customers. They're just advertising and it's a pleasurable experience. You get some news, you get a couple of ads and you get your coffee and then you go off and you don't have to hear it anymore. So that made the adoption much, much wider uh, and it worked quite well. So that was a, that was a good um, type of application. So the general idea of being able to use sound in a public place without bothering people nearby uh, is really a good niche for the audio spotlight technology because speakers are so usually uh, turned down. People don't want sound because they're afraid of the noise. But with the audio spotlight, they can deliver the sound to the people who need it or want it without bothering everybody else. This makes me think of, I might use the wrong term, but a native advertising, I believe, is when you blanket advertise to like a broad demographic. Some of them will be interested in what you're selling and some of them won't. Um, but you might irritate a bunch that aren't interested, um, but then you'll get like maybe one or two out of a thousand or something like that. But with directional sound, I could definitely see this as um, beneficial with um, kiosks in, say, department stores. Uh, another story, uh, I used to work at Macy's when I just graduated from college. And I hated when I was put in the fine china area because it was across from the Dyson vacuums. And they had a little display that would loop every two minutes with the Dyson guy talking about his stuff. And it drove me bonkers. And I'm thinking, <laughs> there it is. So you would have been the person to break it if you had I to. Might, right? Well, it, was, it wasn't my department, but probably if I worked over there, I probably would have turned it way down. Um, but the thing is, people walking by, those people that are going for fine china are not interested in the vacuum cleaner the people who walk up to the Dyson are interested or if they're in the vacuum cleaner exactly. area, that's why they went there. And so maybe if you had had the speakers going loud, somebody might turn around and go, oh, I should look at vacuums, but the chances are very slim. But you're advertising to the people that are actually interested. So I could see a huge benefit for that because it, it just turns into noise and it, it ruins the experience of going into the department store in general. Right. If you're engaging with the display, the vacuum, say, or you know, whatever the product is, then it's relevant to you to get some extra sound about it. If you're off in another department, you're off nearby looking at something else, you don't need to hear about it. And there's no reason to create all that noise that bothers. And you know, the other thing you can do is have lots of different sounds. You can have sound for the vacuums. You can have sound for the books. You can have sound for dishware or cleaning accessories, all those kinds of things can all have their little sound zones with audio spotlights, but they don't have to create a bunch of noise that's going to bother everybody in the store or just mix into a big mess, uh, which would happen if you were using loudspeakers. I also am thinking about um, specifically for the museum example, but 
with the times that we're in now, when we do go back out into society and are able to go to public places where there's lots of people, um, one thing is if you go into a museum and say you need a translation or you have those headphones that you put on um, and you're walking around getting your information, who knows how well that was cleaned. We're, we're all going to be focusing on touchless environments, touchless situations so that we don't spread our germs and things like that. And I would imagine that this directional sound would work beautifully in museums for that purpose. You're going around to the different um, displays and either it's a um, talking about the display or just having a different translation going on. Can you think of some more examples that are touchless environments that are that will be the oh, future? Sure. Yeah, you know, you, you touched on the museums and it's very common to have, you know, headphones or those little sticks that you hold up to your ear to, to hear about, you know, whatever it is that you're engaging with. Those are going away. <laughs> yeah, there's really no reason for them to exist anymore with the audio spotlight projecting sound just in front so that the people who are standing in front will hear it and you're not bothering everybody else with it. They all have their own sound. So yeah, certainly having a headphone-like experience without having to touch anything, without having to wear anything is huge. You know, even outside of, you know, COVID concerns, just why have the staff have to maintain and clean and worry about them breaking and, you know, or being stolen or damaged or any of those things. You know, there's really no reason for somebody to have to wear something or hold something or, or do something when they can just stand there and the sound is delivered to them privately with the same kind of private listening experience that they would have with headphones. So yeah, it's a clear win in those kinds of situations. And then as that kind of interest grows, we're seeing lots more uh, public ordering kiosks, for example, where you are engaging with a screen at a restaurant or um, even a retail store or anywhere else where you're, you're interacting with a screen and you're ordering from a screen. You need an audio interface, I think, because you know the visuals aren't always enough and the audio will get better engagement, but you can't have the speakers blaring and making noise that's going to bother everybody around them. So the audio spotlight is a nice solution to maintain private listening without having to physically wear anything or do anything. You're just there and the sound is just for you, just like a spotlight of light. We've been talking a lot about your technology. Are there other technologies out there? Is, is there um, a large competition for this? Are you the very first one? And if you are, either way, what kind of a ceiling do you, do you foresee for directional sound? Is there a lot of room to grow or are you already scraping the, the ceiling? Oh, there's a long way to go. The loudspeaker has been around for you know, close to 100 years now and it's still being improved. You know, not quite as quickly as it was before, but it's still it's still being evolved. We shouldn't expect that we could solve all the problems and make such great technology leaps in a decade compared to 100 years. So no, there's plenty of more work to be done with audio spotlight technology. You know, that said, you know, we have been doing this for quite a while. Uh, you know, this is, you know, I started my work on it something like 20 years ago. And, you know, we're decades ahead of anybody else uh, who'd like to compete with us for ultrasound generated audio. You know, there are certainly other people who have tried, you know, all the you know, large loudspeaker companies have uh, explored it to some degree. Some have tried introducing uh, their own products that compete, but they never worked very well. It's not an easy technology to copy. I'll say it's very easy to make a bad version <laughs> of an audio spotlight technology. It's pretty easy to do that. It's very difficult to make a good ones. Before we came along, there had been people who had explored using ultrasound to create audio back in the 1980s. 
and they were using off the shelf uh, uh, piezoelectric type uh, sonar transducers to do it because that's really the only thing you can go out and buy that's an ultrasound generator. You know, if you want to go and find an ultrasound generator, something that makes ultrasound and air, that's the only thing you can go and get. So they were using these to create sound. And while they were successful in creating sound, the sound quality was absolutely atrocious, completely unlistenable, totally impractical, uh, just not useful for any uh, real application. Uh, it was an interesting curiosity for them, but they said, you know, this just isn't vi viable and they abandoned it. You know, this was around the mid 1980s or so. And they just said, yeah, it's just not, not possible. And then when I found those old papers, you know, back in the, uh, the late 90s when I had, uh, I had the idea independently, but I went and found these old papers, I saw what they missed. And they missed a couple of very, very important things. The number one thing that they missed was they didn't get the math right. You know, when you want to create audio out of ultrasound, you need to send exactly the right ultrasonic signal into the air that turns into the audio you want. If you don't send the correct ultrasound out, you're not going to get the correct audio. You're going to get something wildly distorted and it's going to sound terrible. That was one. But on the, on the flip side of that, if you want high fidelity audio, you need high fidelity ultrasound. This is obvious to me now, but it wasn't so obvious to people back uh, when they were originally working on it. When they were using these sonar transducers, you know, these are not designed for high fidelity ultrasound generation. They're designed for sonar pings. You know, there's no bandwidth, there's no fidelity, there's yeah, huge distortion. Um, they're just not meant for it at all. But that's the only thing you could get, so that's what people did. So those who compete with us today are using these old piezo transducers just like the people in the 1980s did and trying to make their own ultrasound speakers out of them. And they have all the same problems and all the same uh, you know, limitations with distortion and horrible sound quality. Whereas you know, I recognized that problem immediately and we set out to develop our own ultrasound uh, generator. So we have our own ultrasound transducer that we've been developing for you know, something like 20 years now, which has very high bandwidth, very high fidelity because you need an accurate ultrasound signal to create an accurate audio signal. You know, can't be done very well with these uh, with these old-fashioned piezos. So they're fine as hobby kits and to explore the physics a little bit, but you know, as a practical technology, they just don't work. So companies come and go, you know, every year, you know, using these old piezo things. You know, there are a couple of uh, hobby kits available on eBay and uh, places like that, when and published designs from uh, you know electronics hobbyist magazines for these. And you know, it's great for the hobbyists. They can explore the technology very cheaply, and they can create something that makes sound. But then the companies will try to make a real product out of these designs and they hit a brick wall. It just doesn't work and, uh, and it won't work. So we enjoy a very comfortable lead against, uh, against anybody coming along. And we have, you know, dozens and dozens of patents on all of the particulars of our technology. So we're in a pretty good position as far as that goes. But our, our challenges really aren't in comp competition. Our challenges are in the marketplace. You know, we need to let the world know that the audio spotlight technology works and that it's useful and how it's useful and how people can really um, you know, make the most out of it. That's where our focus is and that's really where our challenges lie in a world that is so used to loudspeakers over the last hundred years, the audio spotlight technology comes along and it's radically different. And it takes a long time for people to realize that it really does work as well as we say it does and it really is as useful as we say it is and it really will apply to these kinds of applications that we've been talking about and that you can rely on it. Um, any new technology takes a long time for that. Well, I'm glad that I'm giving you the opportunity to speak about this because it, this 
I mean, this is mind blowing to me from from my position. I'm like, this makes complete sense. And it's so exciting that this is there because some of the things that I've learned in marketing is that you want to find a way to create an experience for your consumer that doesn't interrupt its experience. You want to market to your consumer without interrupting their day, without interrupting their routine. And this is an exact example for that. Um, I'm also thinking about when COVID uh, you know, once we get past whatever this, this stage is that we're in, people are going to be looking for more and more opportunities to um, be in larger situations and experiences, but we're going to have to keep our social distance and we're going to be very germ. <laughs> we're going to be germaphobes. <laughs> and so this, this makes sense. There are people using audio spotlight speakers to help with social distancing so that you have spots on the floor and each spot has a different sound ascribed to it. And you you keep the person in that spot by giving them sound on that spot, and uh, you you know that can work as well. So we can use sound as an icon as well to help cultivate that social distancing as needed as well. Keep them separated a little bit, and you know that applies to you know anything from museums to kiosks and other things where people want to engage with something. If only one person can hear it, there's only going to be one person trying to engage, and hopefully the others will keep their distance because they can't hear it anyway. So that's, that's something that can help as well. But there's, you know, there's a lot of nice ways of creating subtle environments for customers using sound that audio spotlight technology, I think will become more popular for without having it to have to be sort of narration or um, descriptions. I think you can do more subtle things. For example, just sound effects uh, and give people a feeling like if you're standing in a supermarket in front of the detergents, maybe you hear some nature sounds. So it gives you a feeling that you're outside or just an impression of clean and natural. Or um, if you're in front of uh, soda or beer or something like that, you'll hear a party and kind of a lively environment in front of that product. So it doesn't need to be as conventional as speech. Sometimes it can just be audio icons. We've had customers do dropping ice in a cup and playing a fizzy sound to elicit thirst so that they engage with that uh, product. Or, you know, sometimes it's just some simple music, uh, like some uh, high-end cognac, I think it was, was doing in uh, airport displays so that you would have uh, an impression of, 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 of pleasure and of an experience when you're standing in front of that display and engaging with it that you wouldn't have otherwise. And those are the kinds of unique experiences with sound that the audio spotlight can provide as well. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, just using a mnemonic or just a simple tone of some sort that recalls something or just um, gets stuck in your brain. I mean, sound travels so fast. (laughs) Um, There's just there's limitless possibilities. Um, What is it? What what would be one thing that has gotten you really excited lately that's going on that people are starting to implement within directional sound? I think it's really just more of a widespread adoption that we're seeing recently. We've probably redesigned our product four or five times so far, just with having more technical advances. And every time it gets better and better and better. And I think we're at the point now where we're really ready for a much more mainstream uh, adoption of this technology because it, it really is not technically that exotic anymore. And we're really good at making them. And I think now people are starting to realize that, yeah, it really is real. And this is a real technology that we can, that we can count on and rely on. So I think it's just general conventional adoption, I think, is really what we're, 
very excited about. And we're also poking around in the consumer space as well for a home type system. Like we talked about smart speakers, but also you could sit and watch TV privately and hear the TV and your loved one can sit next to you and you can share a physical space without having to share an acoustical space. And I think that could be something really interesting as well. Um, another aspect of audio spotlight technology that we didn't talk about was the idea of projecting sound. You know, not only can you deliver it to somebody like a flashlight delivers light, but just like shining a flashlight at the wall creates a spot of light on the wall, we can create a speaker on the wall by shining the, the, the audio spotlight speaker at a wall. So that sound will come from the point of reflection and you'll swear there's a speaker coming from that spot. So finally, there are sound formats that can take advantage of this. We had to wait until Dolby Atmos and DTSX and similar formats came along to take advantage of this because now we can have sounds actually fly around the room, fly by your face with the Doppler, go right up in your face during a movie, for example, or flying overhead on the ceiling with speakers not existing on the, spe on the ceiling, just speakers in regular locations and audio spotlight speakers beaming sound to project those locations or have the sound fly by your face or whatnot. Uh, there's all kinds of very interesting kind of special effects that you can do as well. And that could be something very interesting for the home market as well. Well, this has been truly fascinating. I've enjoyed our time together. <laughs> if there was a company or a person that wanted to get a hold of you, had more questions, because that might happen, um, how would they get a hold of you? They can just go to our website, holosonics.com, H-O-L-O-S-O-N-I-C-S.com. I would just send an email to our sales team. They're very capable. And uh, if there's heavier technical discussions need to be had, um, they'll be able to forward it right to me. And I'm happy to help or answer any questions anybody has. Well, thank you for your time, Joe. I really appreciate this. It's my pleasure. Thank you for letting me be a guest on your show. Absolutely. I hope that you enjoyed these conversations with Holosonic's Joe Pompey as much as I had putting them together. I really feel that utilizing directional sound, especially in our upcoming touchless environments, will be a game changer. To learn more about Holosonic's and what they can do, I'll include a link in the show notes. For more of the Sound and Marketing Podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, and share. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast, or for inquiries on sonic branding and sonic branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Isham. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.